gon' feel the heat. Yeah, they gon' feel the heat. They gon' feel the heat. Tell your whereabouts ain't they ready? Nah. Yeah, you gon' feel the heat. They ain't ready. Yeah. Let's get it. Biggest discussions, games of the week. All up for debate, you gon' feel the heat. Come listen in, come take a peek. Day and web gon' make you feel the heat. Who got the win? Who saw the feet? Take a seat, you gon' feel the heat. Let them speak, you gon' feel the heat. Mic check one two, you gon' feel the heat. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Feel the Heat. I'm your favorite host, Day Webb is getting ready to check in. Happy New Year's to everybody that's celebrating this year with their family, their friends, in new places. Uh, we, we, miss, we wish you many blessings and much success going into 2020. Leave your old baggage in 2019 where it's at and go forward in your life to keep your peace. All right, guys, we're going to focus on some bowl games and we're going to focus on our top six plays for the NBA and the NFL for the last decade all right so i hope you guys enjoy the show make sure that if you're going to drink tonight that you do not drive there's plenty of things out there to help you avoid getting into an accident killing yourself or someone or getting a ticket and going to jail you can have fun and be responsible all right tap in tune in we're about to get into it Yo, Webb, what's good? How's it going? Just trying to make it snowed again up here. For real? How many inches you guys got? About three. Oh, that ain't that bad. But you know how it is when it starts snowing, everybody act like they can't drive. It was dry on Christmas. <laughs> hey, we talking about what? Five days later, six days later? Yeah. All right, guys, Web tapped in, and you know what? We're about to get it into the show. This is the last show of the year. Can't believe we've already been doing this for the last four or five months. We got 36 episodes in. Thanks for everybody who tunes in and checks in with us weekly. We appreciate your ear. Web, you got anything to say to them before we get into the episode? Oh, for sure. I just wanted to give a special shout out to our listeners. You know, I put in effort into doing this. This is my first time doing a podcast and I want to thank everybody who takes time to listen to our show. That's about it. For sure, for sure. Man, we couldn't do this without you guys. You guys actually give us some motivation and good feedback. Um, And we appreciate you. We got some new stuff coming out in 2020 and we hope you guys enjoy it. And be safe if you're going to be out tonight. Please be safe and don't do nothing crazy because I don't got no bail money and I know Webb ain't trying to bail you out either. No. <laughs> I might have to bail my- <laughs> For real, for real. So let's talk about this recap. Oklahoma versus LSU. Did you expect to see such a dominant performance by LSU against Oklahoma? I know we talked about Oklahoma's struggles on defense, but there was a way that we thought that maybe they could keep in competition with their offense, but it wasn't so. What did you take away from that game? 
I mean, honestly, from the start, I I knew it was going to be bad. It was just a matter of how bad. But maybe I didn't think this bad. Joe Burrow had seven seven touchdowns in the first half passing. He had uh, one rushing touchdown in the in the third quarter. He almost threw. Like Oklahoma's defense was getting shredded the whole night. They didn't have a chance. No, they did not have a chance. I mean, that was a very apparent in the first quarter. I remember thinking, hey, you know what? This is how they started off against Baylor, but LSU is a whole different type of animal. And to get down that much, it wasn't possible for them to come back. Um, Joe Burrow was having a Madden-type game, so it was crazy. Um, it was apparent from the first drive. I mean, the first play, Jalen Hurts is sacked for a loss. Like, that's where that's where the game was really lost was the O-line. I mean, let's see. C.D. Lamb, he had over 100 yards receiving, but no touchdowns. And for rushing, obviously Jalen Hurts was leading the team in rushing. Um, they just, they didn't have it. They were outmatched everywhere. Kennedy Brooks only had 35 yards rushing. Yeah, and they had no secondary weapon on offense for Oklahoma, and you think, Justin Jefferson in the first half had what four receiving touchdowns? Yeah, and I and I told you if Charleston Rambo was gonna be their third best option, that, that wasn't gonna get it. He had one reception for nine yards. Same with Nick Nick Basquin, one reception three yards. Like outside of CD Lamb, the most somebody the most was Drake Stoops, two receptions, twenty eight yards. Like that's terrible. Yeah, no support, no win. All right, o- Ohio State versus Clemson. That was a thriller. That was a thriller. Uh, by the way, before I get into that, I just want to mention one more thing about the Oklahoma game. I just remembered the non-call on pass interference. Um, it was a clear pass interference on LSU by uh, De- uh, Derek. Um, what's his last name? Swing, swing, Swingley or something like that. I like him. He's a freshman. Passing interference on him, they did not call it. The momentum stayed in LSU favor. Not that it would have been a big thing, but just imagine getting that call and be, being able to reset your offense and add more plays. Something similar happened as well in the uh, Ohio State-Clemson game, and that was just a thriller. I really enjoyed that game. I felt like Trevor Lawrence really performed well. He played very confident. And I think that Clemson went into this game with a chip on their shoulder of everybody saying they haven't really played anybody. Ohio State's played a little bit of a tougher schedule, a tougher conference, and then they go out there and give Ohio State their best shot. They double-team Chase Young. He doesn't really get active and as active as he has been. Um, J.K. Dobbins, of course, he shows up, he performs. Justin Fields does well as as well. Um, the team played well. Both teams played really well on both sides of the field. Now, what I do want to talk about after, or you could you could talk about it um, when you get your points across as well, that play where the receiver at the end of the game, Ohio State's on a game-winning drive, there's obviously a play call for the route to go one way, and it looks like the receiver breaks off his route and tries to bail out, thinking that the quarterback is going to scramble, Justin Fields, and in result, Justin Fields throws an interception. I mean, I'd be so mad at him if I was in that locker room because you stay on 
the route that we practice. And uh, what do you take away from that game? I mean, looking at the clip more closely, I mean, in the moment, I was really upset and I just didn't want to think about anything else other than just going to sleep. But when I took a second to really look at it, I see what the receiver was thinking. It just, the play took so long. He didn't think, he didn't think um, Justin Fields was looking at him or was going to even throw his way. So he was going to bail out the other way just to get open. And Justin Fields had his eye on, had his eye on that post the whole time. And he threw it, he threw a pick. Honestly, I was more upset about the, uh, the fumble, the fumble six that was called back. Um, that looked like a fumble to me. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was a fumble to me. And just that whole, that, I feel like if that play would have stood, I think Ohio State would have won, but Ohio State was also killing themselves. They all, they had a targeting call. I forgot who got that targeting call. Um, Started linebacker. Wade, right? Uh, Wade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's thrown out of the game. Their first, Ohio State's first two drives, they get inside the 10 and they settle for three. Like their first one, they were on the five yard line. Run, like run the ball. So, I mean, Ohio State got hold a little bit, but they killed themselves also. Like you can't have, you can't have J.K. Dobbins in the backfield and you're inside the 10 and you're throwing the ball. Yeah, I, I know that's right. Uh, a lot of coaching mistakes as well there too. But the matchup has been set. I believe the game is on January the thirteenth. Um, Clemson versus LSU in New Orleans. LSU, I believe, is the favorite, and they're playing at home. And I think if anybody could beat Clemson, it's going to be LSU. Well, going into that matchup, I honestly I like that game. Uh, you got two smart quarterbacks that do well under pressure, honestly. And like I said before, when the pressure's been applied to Clemson, it's gone either really bad or it, or they've gotten away barely winning. They've gotten away barely winning. But I'm t- I got to take LSU for that. Their team overall, all around, their team is just nice. Like, I really thought Ohio State was going to win, and they're also all around. They're balanced well on both sides of the ball. But Joe Burrow is just phenomenal. Even if, um, if you recall, in, like, the first three episodes, I forgot which episode specifically, I said when LSU was ranked number eight, I thought they were the really the only team that could beat Alabama. And You did say that. Now they're, now they're the best team in the country. And they're the team to beat. They're the ones that's rolling, and we're we're set for a good matchup, and we'll talk about that another time. Let's go ahead and move forward with our New Year's Six Bowl games. And first up, we have the Sugar Bowl, Baylor versus Georgia. I'm just going to give you my pick. Georgia's my pick. They play in the SEC, much tougher uh, conference, and I think they have a lot more more talent than Baylor. Not to knock on Baylor because they've had a great season, but I'm going to go with Georgia for this win. Let's see. I do like Georgia for this one, but considering the strength of the receiving core, I like Baylor. 
Oh, man, but Georgia's defense is a lot better. Yeah, I'm going to take Georgia. That defense is, is the deal breaker for me. All right, in the Rose Bowl, we have a Big Ten team going in, and they're going to face Oregon, Wisconsin versus Oregon. Now, I'm not sold on Oregon's defense because they let up, I think, about 30 points a game. And if you do that against a Wisconsin team with a running back like Jay, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to survive them because they have one of the top five defenses in the nation. So in this matchup, I'm going to go with, with Wisconsin. Mm. I'm going to go with Oregon. Just simply because Jack Cohn has played well, but he's also been suspect too. And I think the, the Ducks, they just have a better quarterback. They just have a smarter quarterback. And Wisconsin running the, like, with, uh, dang, man, I'm trying to figure out how to formulate my thought. But the running game, it's gonna it's easier to scheme against when that's sort of kind of all you got to worry about. And I'm not saying that's all Oregon has to worry about, but that's most of it. Yeah, well, they have to worry about that, and they have to worry about their quarterback being able to beat the defense of Wisconsin as well. I'm very thrilled about this matchup here. I'm going to go with something really stupid. I've been saying this team was going to be really good, and I I feel really dumb for picking them. Alabama versus Michigan in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida, and I'm going to go with Michigan. I don't know why. My gut is just telling me I really don't have any other reason than to be relying on my gut. I know Alabama's a better team all around. I know that Shea Patterson has been a letdown all season, but I believe the Wolverines can pull it out. They need to pull it out this season, at least this game. I don't believe in the Wolverines. Uh, their, run, their running game is suspect at best to me. Just the just Michigan at best is suspect to me. And Alabama's Alabama. They are what they are. We know what they are. Even without Tua Tagovailoa, their, their backup is probably at least a three, four-star recruit. So he's got to be a stud. They always, they got, they got depth. And Michigan does and that's really what it comes down to. But something's telling me that Michigan's going to somehow pull this out. Do not let me down, Wolverines. I'm begging you. Do not let me down. All right. Minnesota versus Auburn in the Outback Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Um, I like Minnesota. Um, they have like the one-two, the best one-two punch combination as far as wide receiver goes in the nation defense is okay not all that great love their quarterback but I'm going to go with Auburn playing a tougher conference the Big Ten is pretty tough too don't get me wrong um, but Bo Nix has played very well even under pressure he's held his own defense is off the chain for Auburn and I, I'm going to go Auburn for this game I agree with you I think the I think the biggest uh, focal point for Auburn is up front on both sides of the ball, their offensive line and their defensive line. I think they'll get penetration, and I think their offensive line will have good protection. And you give Bo Nix time, he's got a very strong arm. So 
And like you said, the defense is out of this world. So I'm going to take Auburn as well. Minnesota's good, but I don't know if they're that good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. I'm, I know their offense will come to play, but on the, that defense. Yeah, on the yeah. defensive side of the ball, that would be their liability. Yep, that's their biggest liability. All right, guys, that wraps up our segment for the NCAA for the year. Going to go ahead and move to the NFL. Got some breaking news. Ron Rivera is now the Redskins head coach, signed a five-year deal. Matt Patricia has fired six assistants for the Detroit Lions. Um, Anything out there I'm missing? I think that Jason Garrett is going to get fired. He's going to meet with the uh, owners and the the GMs on Thursday for Dallas. Also, the head coach um, for the Jaguars has been fired. No, Doug is staying. Oh, Doug is staying. So they only fired the uh, GM. Yeah. They fired GM. Tom Coughlin. They fired the GM for uh, Cleveland, too. And Freddie Kitchens is fired as well. He's uh, he's not no longer in Cleveland. All right. Um, what? Oh, uh, this does uh, this does come to memory too. Also, I heard Ron Rivera is looking um, to sign for to sign former Raiders head coach Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator. That's who I know he's looking to go get. Yes, and I will tell you this about Ron Rivera: he will bring a whole culture culture change to the locker room to Washington and I look forward to them having a winning season because he's going to be able to uh, bring players to Washington who want to play for him they respect him as a coach respect him as a man and he's going to get his organization to believe in him this is a guy who took his team to the Super Bowl coached his team to the Super Bowl so this is a really good thing for Washington they need it really bad they have some good pieces there Um, quarterback situation they have to work out over the summer, and if Dwayne Haskins doesn't show anything promising, you could see a trade happening where they bring in a veteran quarterback to play there that can still play out, um, play ball. So that's what we have for breaking news. Webb, if you don't have anything else, we're going to go ahead and go with your top six for the NFL playoff or Super Bowl moments for the decade. No, we can go ahead and move right into that. And for number six, Obviously, um, oh yeah, I just wanted to touch on this real quick because I've been getting a lot of heat for this lately. I wanted Ohio State to win, and people, and this is a popular question. Kyle, how, how can you like Ohio State and you're a Michigan State fan? Well, first of all, Michigan's two biggest schools are in the Big Ten. Why would I root for somebody else from, that is repping somewhere that I've never even been. Now, I just wanted to put that out there. But anyway, let's slide into number six. That sounds like a Martell question. (laughs) (laughs) It does. But anyway, sliding into number six, gotta, gotta, gotta throw this in there. That blown pass interference call on Anthony Hitchens against the Lions in 2014. It's my favorite for all the wrong reasons, but it's up there. You can go ahead with your number six. Number six for me is in the Super Bowl, the Colts versus uh, the Saints. Sean Payton caught an onside kick at the beginning of the second half and caught the Colts slipping. Never seen that in the Super Bowl before. All right, number five for me has got to be, oh, by the way, 
I when I was given my first top like 19 I think yeah like I said before it was in no certain order then when we got to number six this is in order for me okay so number five Marshawn Lynch's run that dubbed him the name Beast Mode in 2011 in the wild card matchup against the Saints he stiff armed nine people and ran 63 yards for a touchdown basically well, stiff armed the whole team nine, nine, he, he broke nine tackles yeah um, it's crazy. All right, number five for me, uh, David Tyrese, Super Bowl catch versus the Patriots. Um, he goes up for a deep pass over the middle that he catches the ball uh, with one hand against his helmet, falling backwards, ruining the Patriots' chances at having the perfect season. Okay. Number four for me. Y'all remember this one. You remember this one. A blown pass interference call on Nikel Roby Coleman that sent the Rams to the Super Bowl instead of the Saints. Simple enough. That was also my number four. Great minds think alike. So go ahead with your number three. Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary on the Cardinals in 2016. In the- number three for me, Phillies special against the Patriots. Nick Foles lines up. This is a Super Bowl game. Calls an audible, gets the ball snapped, motions out of the backfield, and gets a receiving touchdown, and they end up beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That was a good one because that was on fourth down, wasn't it? It was on fourth down. It was a good one. Number two, Stefan Diggs, miracle touchdown to knock the Saints off again. I guess the Saints just have they just had bad luck this this decade. <laughs> Seems like it. They got a super one Super Bowl championship, but they've had a lot of bad luck. My number two, and it was hard to come up with this this one or my number one. Patriots twenty eight to three comeback. Need I say more? No. And now that you mentioned that, it was funny. Uh, you remember when Diego when the when the Patriots won and Diego ran out the house and literally tore the front door off the hinges. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you remember how salty him and Hector were looking during that game and Martel was shaking the salt at them? Yeah, he had the two salt shakers and named them Hector and Diego. <laughs> yeah, boy. But they got the last laugh on that one. All right, let me hear your number one. Number one, this is quite possibly the most like, like what moment that I, that I personally witnessed. So my number one, is Malcolm Butler's interception on the one-yard line to seal the Patriots Super Bowl Super Bowl victory against the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. I'm, I actually, I think that was a little bit higher in my count, but when you think about it, it could easily go on number one. My number one was actually your number two. Stephon Diggs, Case Keenum, um, NFC matchup versus Saints, like you said, in here for bad luck. Stefan Diggs has a walk-off touchdown. How many times do you see that in the playoffs for NFL? You usually see walk-off runs and hits in baseball, but Stefan Diggs did that. Yeah, Marcus Williams missed. That was a terrible miss for that tackle. Yeah, I'm, I'm he sure he drank a lot of milk since then. All right, that wraps up the segment for 2019 for the NFL. About to get into the NBA. Wrap that up and let you guys go on about your night. Um, so, 
first things first, let me tell you, the Warriors are looking into trading for Cat. Good or bad idea? Um, I believe they were looking to trade him into um, San Francisco and trading D'Lo out. Good or bad idea for the Warriors, Webb? Well, it depends on what they're going to get for him because, I mean, Steph and Clay back. Is Steph, Clay, and Cat enough? I mean, their bench is like Quinn Cook's gone, Sean Livingston retired, Iggy's gone, everybody's gone. I think they should trade. If anything, I need they need to come up with some draft picks. If anything, I think that they, I think it's a good fit for them. If they trade away D'Lo, it's not like they're losing a point guard that they desperately need. Because when Steph's back healthy next year, you have Clay Thompson back healthy next year, they're going to already get a high draft pick. And, you know, they could bring somebody in to play the wing. You got Draymond at the four with Cat at the five. Between Cat, Clay, and Steph, you're going to get enough scoring. Also, uh, Draymond will be more of a facilitator. You won't have to depend on him to score. He could be your facilitator and defend. And that team will be a good defensive team again. And I think you're right. Um, they have to somehow incorporate maybe one, two late round, uh, uh, late first round picks and mid second round picks in the draft to compensate giving away D'Angelo Russell, who is an all-star type caliber player. Um, so I think it's a good idea for the Warriors, like you said, depending on what they get back. All right, Jalen Brown this week, Players of the Week, representing the East. Jalen Brown averaging 27 points, um, six rebounds, two assists, one steal. And Brandon Ingram representing New um, Orleans Pelicans out the West. 25 points a game, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, and they are currently on a win streak 4-0. Who, the Pelicans? Yes. It's short-lived. It's going to be short Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's go ahead with our countdown. Top six plays of the decade. Um, starting at number six. Webb, go ahead. Gosh. Um, number six. I forgot about this poster, but this is this is on here because this is my, my favorite poster because it was just nasty. Miles Turner dunking on Gordon Hayward a year ago. First round, game four of the Eastern uh, of the playoffs in the Eastern um, so Miles Turner gets the ball at the top I don't know if you remember this he pump fakes goes by Al Horford and meets Gordon Hayward at like right at the beginning of the restricted zone just jumps straight up and just baptizes Gordon Hayward of course that's one of those dunks and one of those plays where you just make that church face like mm 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 that boy tripping. Why he jump like that? Why he even getting away? My lord. My number six. Coming in at number six, this was in the Eastern Conference Finals. Heat versus the Celtics. That's right. LeBron James dunk over Jason Terry on a fast break. That's what you get. You never tell a man you don't know who he is. He told LeBron he didn't know who he it told, is. He here. told the reporters... They asked about what does he think about LeBron James. He said, who's LeBron James? I never heard of him. I don't know why he did that. All right. My number five is LeBron's block on Iggy in 2016. It was a big swing in momentum. 
for them. That was game set. That was game seven, wasn't it? That was game seven, absolutely. Yeah. That was a big swing in that game. They needed that block. They needed that stop. All right. My number five is last year, 2019 playoffs, Toronto versus Philly. Game seven, Kawhi Leonard from the three-point line, fades away, shoots it. The ball goes around in a circle and drops in, beating Philly in game seven in high dramatic form. Love that play. Yeah, that was actually my number four. So you can go ahead with your number three. That was actually, okay, I'm on number four. That was your number oh. four, though. So you're going to start yeah. with three. I'll, I'll start, I'll do my four. So my number four is um, 2016, Steph Curry shoots it from half, well, not half court, three-fourths of a court to go up by one, actually hits it at the buzzer to go up by, up by one on OKC. My number three is Damian Lillard's game winner against the Rockets with nine tenths of a second left in 2014. This was games. This was game seven. And that was nasty. So, He's been known to hit big shots like that. Yeah. All right. My number three, 2017 finals. KD comes cross half court on a fast break, has LeBron backpedaling, stops at the three point. Line pulls up, pops it with like what I mean, a minute left in the game, and the Warriors go up, I think, by nine. And at that, by that time, game's over, he seals the game for them. I think that was game three. Okay, that was a good one. I like that one, that's definitely in my top 10. My number two is Ray Allen's three to tie the game in game six of the finals in 2013. They went to OT. They won that game, and then they went on to win game seven, and they won the finals. The Heat. Oh, yeah. I think I had that one in, like, my top 20, somewhere between 15 and 20. I like that play as well. My number two, 2016 finals. Kyrie Irving ices Steph Curry, steps back, and then knocks down a three to seal the game for the Cavs, winning their first championship. That was my number one, but what I can add on to that is, like I said before, the Wall Street Journal dubbed that as the biggest shot in NBA history, even bigger than Ray Allen's shot. And actually, the 2016 finals was voted the best finals series of the decade. Oh, yeah, for sure. And since we're talking about the 2016 finals, my number one is LeBron's Chase down block on Eagle Dollar, which gives the Cavs the momentum, swings that momentum, and then you, you, the next play down after he gets that block, he comes down and tries to murder Draymond Green, literally, on a dunk, and misses it, but hits his wrist on the rim. And then the next thing you know, the, the, the um, Cavs are in a big groove, and Kyrie hits that shot after that, and that's all she wrote. I think it was one of the best series I have ever seen, personally between two great teams to a team full of competitors and while you were talking about um, it being mentioned as the best series in the history of, of, of the NBA let's go on and before we hang up tonight let's congratulate Mr. LeBron James on being named the Associated Press um, Athlete of the Decade it is very much well earned well deserved 
he went to what eight straight finals and he yeah. won three championships he brought his city a championship that's what his reason was to go back to Cleveland and he did what he said he was going to do so it is very much deserved could you give it to Brady yes but the path for LeBron to be who he is and to me what he he means to everybody and not just in the NBA but in sports in general was much harder than Mr. Tom Brady Hmm. I mean, see, when you start talking about, when people start talking about the Patriots and, and Tom Brady, the only things that come to my mind is like Spygate and Deflategate and, and all this other stuff. But definitely LeBron de- is definitely deserving. I mean, I can't think of anybody else who's really like right there in the running with him. Like you said, he went to eight straight finals. And he's made what NBA All First Team, all eight time, all eight of those except for one year. Like, right, right. That's what I'm saying. So that's what my comparison of bringing Tom Brady up into it. You really can't put him in there because there's so much other things associated with him cheating. You never heard any associations with LeBron James cheating or anything like that. He's just done it. He's a great athlete. He's a great person on the floor and off the off the floor. Does a lot for his community and does a lot for people, stands for social injustice. And he might be one of the most woke athletes that we know in our generation. Right. And honestly, I could say outside of Kobe Bryant, LeBron is like, he's done more with, he's done more with less than anybody I've ever seen outside of Kobe Bryant, of course. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, I totally agree with you. So that wraps up the NBA segment. That wraps up tonight's episode. Actually wraps up um, for the year. Feel the heat for the year. Um, Like I said, you guys, be safe. Have fun. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your family. And we'll catch you again on Friday, Webb. Hey, I'll see y'all next year, man.